Angela Bowen here, the host of Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. How's everyone doing today? It's a rainy mess outside. Well, actually, it's kind of cloudy. It's now it stopped raining, but good grief. May has not been the greatest month. That means there's three months of summer to see something turn around before fall sets in in September, October. Well, today, we are on the second to last episode of season two. This is season two, episode 21, entitled Blazing Hotel Rooms, which aired on March 31st, 1984. While in Miami for a toy convention, Edward, Ricky, and Dexter are trapped in their hotel room during a fire. This has got a 7.8 out of 10 rating on IMDb. Looks like there's no guest stars for this episode. This episode was directed by Jack Shea, writers David W. Duklin, the creator, Ron Levitt, Michael G. Moy, the creators also, uh, written by Bob Ilves, and written by James R. Stein, Stephen Pritzker, and Ben Starr, who's the creator, Martin Cohen, the creator, and of course, Howard Leeds, the creator. A lot of creators on the show. A lot of them. We got some connections. 2001, A Space Odyssey, mentioned by Dexter. Family Feud, heard on the TV after Kate watches a news report. Here's a cute little quote from Ricky Stratton. Refusing to eat airline food is not a sign of depression. Okay. Soundtracks. It looks like Franklin Seals is going to perform a little song. Oh, so mio. All right, let's say hey to some podcast listeners. We got Mountain View, California, Partyville, Wisconsin, Reno, Nevada, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Farmington, Missouri, Los Angeles, California, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Suwannee, Georgia, Uniontown, Ohio, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Madrid, Spain, Seattle, Washington, Muskegon, Michigan, Banjaluka, Bosnia, Cordoba, Tennessee, Switzerland, Colombia, Brazil, Iraq, Cleveland, Ohio, Saudi Arabia, Moscow, Argentina, Brazil, Serbia, Netherlands, Poland, Philippines, Cleveland, Tennessee, Buffalo, New York, Egypt, Argentina, Mexico, Indonesia, State of Bolivia, Jamaica, Philippines, Mexico, Ukraine, Argentina, Bosnia, Spain. Oh, there's some more here. Uh, Barbados, Jersey City, New Jersey, Romania, France, France, Russian Federation, and Langworthy, Iowa. All right. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you keep listening. All right. Well... Just to let you know, if you're interested in my book recommendations, I will do those at the end of the podcast episode. Uh, a couple things that are going on this week. Uh, Jeremy's birthday is tomorrow. It's Thursday the 23rd. So if you want to wish him a happy birthday, you can do so. I'll post it on, uh, on Twitter and uh, the Instagram and Facebook page. He's going to be 44. Wow. It's hard to believe I knew him before he turned 30. <laughs> it's been that long. So yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to celebrate his birthday actually on Saturday. We're going to go see the new Aladdin movie. And as a tradition that's been long-standing ever since, even before I knew Jeremy, we're going to get some pizza. That's how he's going to get his pizza dinner, his birthday dinner. And then Sunday, my sister's got a thing going on up at her place for the holiday weekend, and I'm going to go hang out there for a bit. My sister is an amazing cook. She is just absolutely 
Phenom. Friday, I gotta get through a little, um, appointment. I gotta see a vein doctor. Have an ultrasound done on my, the veins on my legs just to make sure, uh, everything's going good there. So, yeah, I've never, never had that done before, but... You know, I guess as you get older, and then if you, you know, you put on a lot of weight, which I have, you gotta have those things done, which, that way, they can check, make sure there are no possible future blood clots, which of course can lead to stroke. I know that's TMI, but I'm hoping that one of my listeners out there, if you have dealt with that, I mean, send me an email at silverspoonspodcast at gmail.com. Let me know. I'm a little, I mean, all they're doing is doing an ultrasound consultation, but I'm a little nervous. I mean, if they're to say you actually need to have something done, like, no, 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 no. That's why I feel so bad about putting this extra weight on and everything like that over the last, like, seven years. But it is what it is. All I can do is work towards losing it, right? The book I'm currently reading right now, like physically reading on my nook and my fist, I'm doing a reread, is The Keeper of the Lost Cities, The Never Seen, which is the fourth book in the series. I'm hoping to finish that. I'd like to finish it before this month is up, but we'll see. Um, And next month I want to get to the fifth book, so that way I can start the sixth book on my trip when Jeremy and I go on our, our trip this uh, July, so I'm looking forward to that. That way, because I also had the seventh book, which I wasn't able to read because I still got it over. I tried to read the sixth book when it first came out in 2017, and I just, it's like, all of a sudden, the five other books I'd read, like, the last year or so prior to that just went out the window, like, all of it. Like, who is this person? Dang it, I can't remember what happened in the last four books, or the last five books. So... All right, let's jump into this episode. So we're going to get a hotel scene in Miami, Florida. Although it's just said they're not actually going. Are we going to get an airplane scene? Or is that something where they're, the episode starts, they're already there in Miami? Or are we going to get a living room scene where they're packing and they're getting ready to go to a toy convention? I think it's awesome that Edward is taking Ricky along for this trip. I think... It's kind of fun, like, you get to see other toys, other inventors and stuff, kind of look out, check out the competition. So, yeah. All right, let's do this. All right, looks like they're already at the hotel, and Ricky and Edward have their, these blue ball caps on, and they got, like, foam, like, yellow hands that I guess you pull a... you pull a string and they clap together, and it's like, it's cute. It's a shame they couldn't have invented, like, a button on the side of it, and you press it, and then it automatically, like, claps instead. You gotta pull a string, I mean. Oh, you gotta keep pulling the string, because the string is what is connecting... The string that you're pulling on is connecting a string that is connected to the two flapping yellow hands on the top of the hat. So you keep pulling it, and they stretch them apart and pull them together, stretch them apart, pull them together. Gotcha. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Wasn't that hat? You could see his Ricky's eyes at one point, but it's like, he keeps pulling that hat down. It's like covering his eyes and nose now. So the phone rings, and Kate is on the phone just asking how the toy convention is going and Ricky's like it's great and it looks like Edward's like can you please hand me the phone so I can talk to my girlfriend thank you so I gotta play this clip (laughs) dad I think Eddie Toys is gonna do great in this toy show no I sure hope so son I think Eddie Toys deserves a standing ovation okay Oh, it's really great. There's some great toys here. There's also a few ripoffs. Yamahoy Toys is trying to combine the Cabbage Patch doll and G.I. Joe. <laughs> what are they going to call it? The Lettuce Patch Commando. <laughs> and guess what it comes with? 
I give up. What? It's on draft notice. <laughs> I was going to guess that. Oh, Dad, did you want to speak to Kate? Hi, Kate. How you doing? Hi, hon. I'm fine. Edward, did you uh, find that surprise I left in your suitcase? <laughs> I sure did. How could I miss it? Well, do you like it? I love it. Of course, it's no substitute for the real thing. You know, I've only been here an hour and a half, and already my lips have two paper cuts. Well, as much as I'd like to be in Miami with you, I still think it was a good idea that you took Dexter instead. He's been so depressed lately. Have you found out why yet? No, I don't know what's with Dexter. Not only won't he tell anybody, but he just gets more depressed. On the flight down here, he barely picked at his food. Dad, refusing to eat airline food is not a sign of depression. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll find a way to cheer him up. I miss you. Well, I miss you too, honey. You miss me as much as I miss you? I miss you every bit as much as you miss me. In fact, I'll bet you I miss you more than you miss me. Dad, if you don't stop missing each other so much, we're going to miss the porpoise show. Kate, we got to go to the porpoise show. We'll talk to you later, okay? I love you. I love you, too. So Ricky's telling Kate on the phone about... <laughs> All these toys, some are great, some are rip-offs, someone's trying to combine a Cabbage Patch doll with a G.I. Joe, and Ricky actually managed to get a prototype of it. It's basically a Cabbage Patch doll dressed in camouflage gear with a gun. I saw a grenade. Also comes with its own draft notice. That's... Ugh. Of course, the whole time, Edward is like, can you please... He's moving his hand, like, give me the phone, give me the phone, give me the phone, son. And Ricky's like, oh, uh, Kate, uh, Dad here wants to talk to you. <laughs> oh, Dad, you want to talk to Kate? Oh, here you go. So Kate and Edward are doing this mushy, oh, I love you. Do you miss me as much as I miss you? I really wish I could have gone, but it's great that you took Dexter. And Kate's like, oh, Edward, did you find the surprise I left you in the suitcase? And my mind was just going all over the place, like, what could it be? It's a giant poster-sized picture, black and white photo of Kate wearing a, a sweater that's, like, hanging off the shoulder. And Edward mentions how I miss you so much that my lips have paper cuts. Like, why are you kissing? All right, I admit it. I admit it. When I hung pictures of guys on my walls, I did kiss the pictures from time to time. <laughs> I did. Once. I did that once. So Kate mentions about Dexter being depressed. And Edward's like, yeah, he didn't really even touch his food on the airline. I'm like, knowing them, they probably flew first class because Edward's got money. Or maybe he's like, now nah, we'll, we'll go to coat. Well, they're just going from New York to Florida. So, I mean, it's not like they're jetting out to Paris or London or anything. So... That's why I told Jeremy, if we ever do make it to London, we're doing first class because I'm not sitting in a coach seat for however many plus hours that it's going to be. It's not your casual two to three hour trip to Wyoming or two hour trip to Florida or something like that where you can deal with it. So they have those sleep pods, too, in first class? Or maybe it depends on the flight that you take. Ricky, of course, adds how... Dad, I don't think refusal to eat airline food... It's like the quote that I said. He's like, I don't think refusal to eat airline food is a sign of depression. I mean, I do believe the last one I went on, they probably do have... They have that Sky Mall magazine that's in the front pocket, in the seat in front of you. And they might have had some food on there, but really all you're getting is a plastic, a small plastic cup of, like, pop or, like, juice or water or coffee. I think for a charge you can buy alcohol. Um, I don't. But, um, you can also get those, where are they, they're like, not biscotti, but it, it's the name that starts with a B. I, well, no, it says Delta on the cookie. Because that's, I think, what we've flown before. Um, also, you can get peanuts or pretzels. 
So I like how when you put the little tray down, it's got a like an indentation circle for the cup to go. I just think that's cool. So yeah, Dexter's depressed. He looks it. He looks like he hasn't slept. Away. They must have like just arrived there at the hotel. But his suit is rumpled. His shirt is not tucked into his pants. His tie is just all haphazard. And he just looks like he's in a daze. What's going on with him? His briefcase is even all rumpled up. He's got papers sticking out of his briefcase. The little scarf or handkerchief or whatever you want to call it that goes in the pocket of the suit the front of it it's all it's out of course the audience gets a big old laugh at seeing Dexter this normally clean cut guy just looking so disheveled Dexter sits down in the chair Edward's like Dexter did you set up my table for the convention and Dexter's like why bother and Edward's like, well, you're my business manager. This is your job to do this. That's why I hired you, is it not? I get you're depressed, buddy. I get that's why they brought him to maybe get him out of his funk. But you still are getting paid to do a job, Dexter. So I don't know what to say. Just do your job. You don't have to necessarily do it with a smile on your face, but please just do your job. So, Dex, did you get our exhibits set up on the convention floor? Why bother? Well, Dex, you're my business manager. You kind of have to bother. Come on, buddy, what's the matter? It's nothing. I'm fine. I don't look fine. You look like you've been breakdancing with Nell Carter. <laughs> look, Dexter, something's bothering you, and we're your friends, so why don't you talk about it? You feel a lot better. <sighs> well... My girlfriend really left me running for the plum. I just don't think I can go on. I got girlfriend and plumber. We miss ran off with. Ooh, your girlfriend left you? Yeah. What a bummer. Renee ran off with a plumber? Not just a plumber. My plumber. Ralph Alcorn. Oh, that makes it a plumber bummer. I can't believe Renee would prefer Ralph Alcorn over you, a man who often has dinner with H&R Block. <laughs> Buddy, how long did you and Renee go together? Nearly 3.4 years. <laughs> if I reach the average life expectancy of 76.3 years, I don't know what I'll do without Renee for the next 43.8. <laughs> on Dex, that's an awful lot of years. Why, in that time, you could fall in love with 7.3 women. I don't want anybody else. I want Renee. Well, I don't know what else to say to you, buddy. There isn't anything else to say, Edward, but it helps to express my feelings. You're great friends. I feel much better now. You up for a bite to eat? I'm famished. Let's get a club sandwich by the pool. Problem, Dex? You said pool. So? So pool was one of the name of the characters in 2001. So? So 2001 was that movie about space. Mm-hmm. So? So that's what Renee said she wanted. Space. My Nene. Nene, kind of a pet name? Yeah. She used to call me Sexy Dexy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm losing control. I, it won't happen again. Dex, can I ask you a question? Certainly. Have you ever actually seen Ralph and Renee together? I mean, do you know for sure that she ran off with him? No, but that's what she told me. Why would she lie? Dexter... I think I should tell you about Claudia Dalrymple. Mm -hmm. See, last year she was my main squeeze. Your what? Oh, my chick, babe. <laughs> your what? My girlfriend. Oh, yes, your girlfriend. Anyway, I was really crazy about her, but I got wrapped up in my baseball tryout, so I didn't pay enough attention to her. So one day she came to school, and she told me she's going to the school dance with Foster Schlutz. 
Louis, if you're going dancing with Foster Schlutz, not only does he have two left feet, but he's got 11 toes. So what happened? So she went to the dance with me. See, she was just testing me to make sure I really cared about her. She was using Foster as a bluff. It was the old Schlutz bluff. I think you're on to something. I have been working hard lately. It's possible I haven't been paying much attention to Renee. I'll bet she's just testing you. Why don't you give her a call? No, really. Ask her to come out here to Miami. You have a tropical reunion. I think I will. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I know this is well, that was a very long clip. Um, basically, Dexter lets it be known that his girlfriend of f- over three years and four months, Renee is cheating on him or well like she said that she left with the plumber and that she needed space and that's why he's depressed and it's like oh my goodness then you need to get him a guy's weekend buddy just right now put her out of your mind and tell him Ricky mentioned some girl named Claudia that he was going with during baseball season. Well, we did see a baseball episode with um, Billy, and Ricky went to get pizza with her or something. So this must have been before Billy came along. I don't know. I'm just like, he's like, oh, my girlfriend, Claudia. And I'm like, who? Why don't you list some names of girls we've seen on the show? We've seen a couple. Not let no, no, no. We're not going there. Not that Leslie girl. Ugh, gross. Um. <laughs> so then convince him, like, hey, let's go get something to eat, because Dexter says that he is famished. Like, all right, yeah, yeah. Is this where the fire starts? Because they're all getting ready to go. I'm kind. Of, well, and Edward even says, hey. Invite Renee up here because Ricky's like, she's probably just testing you. Claudia did the same thing when she said she was going out with Foster so-and-so who's got two left feet and 11 toes. That she was going to a dance, but it turns out he was a bluff. And Dexter mentioned, yeah, how the guy that Renee ran off with was a plumber. Like, oh my goodness. And it was Dexter's plumber. Oh. Oh, yeah, and the uh, Space Odyssey 2001 was uh, mentioned because of pool, which I don't know. I've never seen. Is that the mo- No, um, the airplane movie, Robert Hayes and uh, Leslie Nielsen. Jeremy, for the longest time, would say, What are you doing, Dave? And I never knew what it was from. I figured it was from, like, Alvin and the Chipmunks because of Dave. And then... One day, he's watching Airplane, and I walk past, and I hear that, What are you doing, Dave? And I'm like, What? That's what it's from? All these, for the last two or three years, you've been saying this line? And I finally got what it was from. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the plumber's name is Ralph, as he calls up Renee, and Ralph answers. Well, that's just wonderful. She used to, or uh, Dexter called Renee Nene, and she called him Sexy Dexty or something. Dexter couldn't do it. He just tells Ralph, congratulations, you got my girlfriend. I got nobody. Bye. Edward's wearing this yellow pin that says Toy Expo on it in block letters. Oh, apparently uh, Dexter's pipes are still dripping. The guy must really suck as a plumber. Even Edward says that he does. Like, hey, she's got a lousy plumber then. So Dexter gets ready to head out the door, and Edward's like, where are you going, Dexter? And Dexter does not care. He's like, I can't go on without my Renee. It's been three, we've been together for three years, four months. So, Dexter is bordering on the line of semi-suicidal. I don't mean that to offend or upset anybody, but... Why do they gotta go that route and it's sitcom and play it for laughs? Oh, yeah, there was a fat shaming joke when Edward said, Oh, eh, Dexter, looks like you've been breakdancing with Nell Carter. They did that on Punky Brewster. They did, like, a workout tape with Nell Carter. What, just because she was on Gimme a Break, which was probably on, what, the same network, NBC? They felt that, like, back in the 80s that you could... We didn't call it fat shaming then like we do now, but it just... Ugh. Edward 
or not Edward, Dexter opens the door and the hallway is filled with smoke. And Dexter was talking to God for a moment. Like, just take me now. And he opens the door. It's filled with smoke. He shuts it, turns around and says, no, you didn't let me finish. And I'm thinking, if he touched that doorknob, wouldn't it be hot? Or maybe it's just smoke from a different room, and it's just smoke right now, and it's not hasn't had enough time to get hot. This is not good. Wait, you didn't let me finish. <laughs> now what do we do? <laughs> Rick, you get on the phone and call the desk and tell them we can't get out of our room. There's got to be what to do in a fire emergency card around somewhere, so I'm going to try to find it, all right? Hello? Hello? Yeah, the phone's dead. Are you kidding me? Somebody call the fire department! <laughs> there we go. Thanks! Hey, I found some cards. Here, here, here. Uh, let's see, let's see, uh, uh, Wally's Wrestling Alligators, so, Alice Mermaids on Skis, Bernie's Smokehouse, what to do in case of fire, wait, wait, shit, I got it, I got it, that smoke's coming in, Edward, this door won't open, I'll have to break the glass to get some fresh air in here, wait, Dexter, don't, <laughs> have you gone mad, what, it says here, don't let any smoke <laughs> in the room by opening a window, what do you call that, haze, <laughs> just calm down, all right, now, what it says to do is get wet towels and stuff them under the door. Uh, I'll get them. Okay, Rick, you get the towels, you throw a toss to me, and I'll toss them to you, Dex, you stuff them under the door. Come on, Rick. boy. here you go, Dex. <laughs> good, that's good. All right, Rick. <laughs> okay, son, we don't need any more towels. Come on, okay, that's enough. On time. So after Dexter shuts the door the first time and everyone kind of looks around like, what do we do? We cut to commercial. We come back from commercial. The screen is completely white. I'm like, what happened to the desk here? No, it's all the smoke that's being let into the room. So they're running around in a panic. Basically, Edward says, all right, Rick, get on the phone, call the help desk, let them know there's a fire outside of our room. And we hear a siren in the background as the, well, the phone's dead. Are you, I would be suing this hotel big time. There's an emergency and I can't get on the phone? Mind you guys, cell phones didn't exist. So that phone in the room is the only phone that they can get to. So, Ricky, of course, the hallway is filled with smoke. He opens the door to let more smoke in as he shouts, Help! Somebody call the fire department! We hear the fire department in the background. And Ricky shuts the door, opens it again, says thanks. Dexter's over by the glass door to the balcony. He can't get it open. It's like, uh, I, yeah, I would be suing this hotel. Did I say hospital before that? I'm sorry. Yes, this hotel will be sued. That is a fire hazard, and there's a fire going on, and they can't get that dang door open. I'm like, you better not charge me for breaking this glass door then. Edward, meanwhile, is going through the binder that has all the like places that you can go to eat and everything. He's looking for what you do in case of a fire, like an emergency card and everything like that. And finally, it's like, Ricky, go get some towels, wet them down, give them to me, I'll give them to Dexter, who's by the door, and we'll stuff them to be able to keep the smoke out of the room, which the smoke's already in the room at this point. It's really hazy. No one is really coughing that much because, of course, it's not real fire. It's just haze. Um... And there's a big sight gag where Ricky throws the towel from the bathroom, hits Edward in the face a couple times, thus leading Edward to throw the to the wet towel and hitting Dexter in the face to the point where it knocks him onto the floor. Like, guys, come on, come on, Dexter, Edward, come on, get with it. I know you're freaked out. I would be too. 
And the fact that Edward is running back and forth, he's like, yeah, you probably would be doing that. If there is a fire right outside your door and the balcony, the door leading to the balcony is locked, like you're stuck, you would probably start to panic. But the thing is, I would say keep a cool head in a situation like this. Like, yeah, it's easy for you to say you're not in a situation like that. I don't know. What is the percentage of people that would probably panic when they see a fire? And your mind would be going in a thousand different directions. Like, do this. No, do that. Okay, we did this. We did that. What's next? So, oh my goodness. Just break the wind, the glass door to the balcony. Now, Kate gets a call from who? Are they calling her? Because I didn't think... Unless they got out of the room, but I didn't think so. I clearly remember... A shot of them on the balcony, and there's, like, something, not a chandelier, there's something that they're using to swing to get out of the hotel. Someone named Anne, I'm guessing, is a friend of Kate's or just a neighbor or somebody, and tells Kate, you need to turn on the news. Because she's like, are you watching TV? She's like, no, I'm not watching TV. She's like, you need to turn the news on. Hello? Oh, hi, Anne. What's up? What? No, I'm, I'm not watching TV. Why? What? Yes, Edward and Ricky are in Miami Beach. Yes, they're staying at the Hotel Belvedere. It's on what? At this point, the cause of the fire is unknown. One entire wing of the hotel is ablaze. Fortunately, this wing was closed for remodeling, and there have been no casualties thus far. However, many people in an adjoining wing of the hotel are trapped in their rooms. As is always the case in high-rise fires, the greatest danger is smoke inhalation. We'll have full details on our 6 o'clock report, along with the startling conclusion of our five-part investigative series on being single. <laughs> we now return to our regular program. saw the news report. Edward and Ricky are on the 17th floor. Well, they could be trapped in their room. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I should think positively. Well, there's a good chance they're not even in the hotel right now. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Bye. So, Kate turns on the TV, the news broadcast is showing a picture of the hotel, and it is completely up in flames. And Kate is getting worked up. I can imagine because she's trying to call the hotel, and I'm thinking, I don't think that that line's going to be available. If it's on fire, if the hotel's on fire, and of course she like hangs up because it's busy. It's like, well, uh, the circuits are probably busy, the phones are most likely down. They're probably trying to get in touch with people. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. And from Kate, we hear that they are on the 17th floor. So they're, I'd say a quarter of the way up, maybe? Depending on how big this hotel is. So Kate kind of reminds herself just to stay positive. That's important. Like, maybe they're not even in the hotel. We see the balcony... And we see help has been sprayed on and maybe shaving cream or something. We see Edward and Ricky and Dexter. They're all wearing those wet towels. They have a lot of towels in those rooms. Whenever Jeremy and I stay at a hotel, 
usually you only get maybe two regular size towels for drying off and then two washcloths and maybe two hand towels but <laughs> yeah they don't give you unless you call and ask for extra they're only gonna wait until the next day when they actually clean the room to give you more towels I can't believe what they've probably been told to stay in their rooms and just sit there because odds are, elevators, the, the place is on fire. The elevators are going to be down. They probably got to go floor by floor to rescue people. And they're on the 17th floor. I don't know what else they're going to be able to do. We should have gone to the porpoise show. <laughs> but no, you had to get depressed about your girlfriend. <laughs> Sounds too late for trying to cheer me up. I was better off when I had no hope. Come on, we can't turn on each other. We gotta pull together. You know something? It's real funny. A little while ago, before this fire, I was feeling without Renee, my life wasn't worth living. Now, all I want in the world is to live. I swear, if I ever get out of this nightmare, no one will respect and appreciate and save a life more than Dexter Roosevelt Stuffins. <laughs> Roosevelt? Leave it alone, Richard. Dad, we are going to get out of here, aren't we? You bet we are, son. I guarantee it. Dad, this isn't fair. I'm just getting started on life. I want to grow up and be a great dad like you. I want to go to college. I want to be a doctor. I want to win a Nobel Prize. I want to go to next week's sock hop. I'm chairman of the balloon committee. Son, I know right now things look a little bad, but, you know, it's times like these that you really have to have faith and truly believe that everything's going to be just fine. Can you do that? Yeah. I can't. Why not? Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Seriously? It's coming through the vent? Good. Out of control. So, Dexter and Edward kind of turn on each other a little bit, which, I mean, panic's setting in. You're probably looking at playing the blame game here. We should have been at the porpoise show. We would have been fine. And Dexter is like, well, 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 because Edward's like, well, you had to go and get depressed. And then we had to sit here and spend however long trying to cheer you up and be happy that you're living your life and everything like that. Just like, um, and, and, and Dexter, of course, is like, well, I realized something. I thought that without my girlfriend, I wouldn't be able to live. But now I see that I do want to in the face of death here. And Ricky's saying about all the things that he wants. He thinks he's going to die in that hotel. He's like, I want to become a doctor and become a great father like you and win the Nobel Peace Prize. Heck, I want to go to next week's sock hop at school. And then all of a sudden, Ricky's like, hey, look, we got smoke coming from the vent. I'm like, how is that room not filled with smoke? Because it was earlier. Now it's just dissipated, and I saw some smoke curling around the edges of the door frame. But now it's full on coming into through that vent. Just break that wit. Well, think about it though. If they break that patio glass door, the outside of all that smoke that's rising up, they're going to be getting facefuls of that, and they could probably die of smoke inhalation. I know they're not going to die, because we still have seasons 3, 4, and 5 to get through. So, and I feel so bad for Kate right now, as she's glued to the television set, praying and hoping that her guys, her boys, will, her, the Stratton men will be okay. I couldn't even imagine being in her shoes, and the only way, only thing you have to go on is what the news is covering, because she can't get in touch with the hotel, cell phones didn't exist, so it's not like she can call Edward, even if 
cell phones did exist, would Edward even be getting a signal with all that smoke and everything going on? Not to mention, they don't have, like, in their rooms, like, sprinklers and stuff like that that would be going off as the fire is there? I don't know. So I'm going to play this clip as Kate is sitting near the, the in front of the television. Hotel guests stranded on the upper floors. However, high winds are hampering the rescue effort, leaving the lives of several people in doubt. Oh, oh Dad, the door's getting hot! Ah! So oh, this bitch! Ah, ah, ah! <laughs> all right, all right, we'll go in the bathroom. That's a good idea. We'll be safe in a porcelain room. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. There's, there's no alternative but to go out on the balcony. You said the smoke would get sucked into the room. What could he call us, Hayes? <laughs> oh, what? Is this breakable, unbreakable glass? decided to maybe tr because the doors are hot of course they're hot there's fire outside in the hallway but they're like all right let's go into the bathroom where you know the porcelain is we can hide you know hang out in the um the tub they open that door which of course is also hot and they're getting hit with a lot of smoke and at least it's getting semi-realistic because ricky is coughing you really didn't hear them coughing too much and, of course, they're trying to get out the door. Edward uses a chair to break it, which apparently this glass is unbreakable. You can't break it. And they're pushing it. The door was locked the whole time. He had to unlock the door. And, of course, Dexter realizes it while Rick and Edward were pulling on the other side. And they get shoved against the wall by the force of Dexter opening the door. They run out onto the balcony. They start waving at the firemen down below. Like, hey, hey, we're here, we're here. And they're like, we see you. Unfortunately, our ladders can only go so far. Are you kidding me? But they have a helicopter that's pulling people off of the balconies. As we see this lady in a shower cap and a towel who was probably taking a shower when this whole fire thing happened. And she's kind of an overweight lady, so of course they're laughing at this. Well, the audience is laughing, not uh, Edward, Dexter, and Ricky. So I'm going to play this clip. Hopefully they can get off this balcony. So I'm guessing that the fire has not even reached the 17th floor at this point then because I don't see any smoke coming up and hitting them in the face. Oh my gosh. 
Oh, that's making me nervous. I know they're not. Come on, that's good. Yeah, good. All right, now come on, steady. Yeah, let's step on your dad's face, because I'm sure he loves that. Not so good, Rick. All right, Adam, boy. Okay, come on, Dex. You can do it. Wait, what? Wait, what? I forgot my briefcase. No, forget it. All right, come on. You can buy a new one. <laughs> oh, there goes those papers. No, get This is our last trip! Crap! No! Oh my god! Jump! I got it on that one! Oh my god, no! At first I was nervous, but I'm like, okay, they're just on a set. It's not a real hotel. It's not a 50-some foot drop or anything. But they're lugging up the lady in, in the towel and the uh, the shower cap. Her towel falls off. Ricky, of course, is looking upwards along with everyone else. And Edward's like, uh, no, son, he covers Ricky's like, You don't need to see this. So they're able to get the thing lowered. Edward is able to grab it after a few attempts. And he's hanging on to the bottom of the frame of the... Of the rescue net, which is shaped almost like those wicker or those type of, you know, chairs that like hang from the ceiling that you can sit in or something like that. And he gets Ricky to get in there first. And of course, <laughs> the way that Ricky is like, because Edward has got his legs kind of bent around the balcony and he's holding the bottom of the rescue net and Ricky is climbing onto Edward's body and then of course he's got to make a few attempts of stepping on Edward's face to fully get into the rescue net then Dexter's like oh my briefcase I need my like forget just leave it you don't you can get another one Dexter you have money okay you can do that and then Edward's like, don't worry, I will catch the next one. And then you hear the helicopter operator saying, this is the last call. Really? So there's nobody above the 17th floor. Baloney. That is garbage. Unless, more than likely, unless they've gotten everybody, everyone's accounted for, then probably that is the last one. So Edward's like, alright. And he gets, grabs a hold of the bottom. And they're being lifted off. A few times I got so nervous, you'll hear me say it in the clip, like, ah, da, da, as Ricky Edward at one point looked like he was going over the side. And Ed, uh, when Ricky is climbing onto Edward to, or crawling on him to get into the rescue net, one time he's holding onto him, but he starts sliding to the left, like, ah, da, da, whoa, 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 grab him, grab him, grab him. All right, I'm going to play this clip. Because the credits come up and they are safely home, detail by detail, giving Kate the lowdown of the rescue and everything that happened. Of course, I'm sure there's some embellishments in that. You know how people like to embellish on stories and stuff. The fire was a huge inferno. Well, looking at that news picture on the television, it looked like an inferno. So finally, they pulled us up into the helicopter. When we got there, there was this big fat lady there. There was barely enough room for us. <laughs> Honey, did you hurt your hand hanging from that, that rescue chair? No, no, no. This happened in the helicopter. The fat lady sat on it. <laughs> Edward yelled in agony. She just sat there and smiled. You can't imagine what it was like sitting here watching that news report describing that fire. I mean, I didn't know whether or not you guys were alive or dead. I have never felt so helpless in my entire life. You must have been awfully scared, Ricky. Yeah. It was a piece of cake. Oh, yeah, you're doing that now. Maybe I was a little scared. <laughs> Did they ever find out what caused that fire? Yeah, I read in the paper this morning. It was a short circuit in the fire alarm. <laughs> right. That explains why we didn't hear it. 
Actually, this experience has given me new perspective. Life is too important to let a little thing like Renee dumping me cause me torment. You're right, Dex. No woman's worth that kind of grief. <laughs> Except you, Kate. <laughs> I am my own man, independent and strong. Then I guess you don't want all these phone messages from Renee. She called. She called. Dexter, I thought you were going to be independent and strong. I mean, do you want to set yourself up for being hurt all over again? You're right, Richard. Thank you. It was a momentary weakness. Renee is out of my life. I will not think about her anymore. That woman is history. Good for you, Dex. Well, guys, ah, my hand is really throbbing. Boy, that was a heavy woman. <laughs> Boy. I'm going to go upstairs, soak it in a warm tub. Oh, I forgot. While you were gone, one of the pipes upstairs sprung a leak. There's somebody up there now fixing it. Who is it? Oh, somebody Dexter recommended. A great plumber. His name's Ralph Alcorn. Oh, crap. So Kate mentions how scared she was. So it's like you have no idea what it's like sitting here not knowing if either of you were alive or dead. Which I can't even begin to imagine what that would have been like. And Kate's saying how, you know, geez, Ricky, you must have been really scared. He's like, nah. And I'm like, yeah, sure you say that now, Ricky. He's <laughs> like, oh, okay, maybe a little bit. <laughs> and Dexter got phone messages from Renee and... He grabs them, because Kate's going to crumple them up. He grabs them from her, and they're like, come on, Dexter, seriously, we spent all the time talking you down and trying to get you over Renee, and she broke your heart. You really want to set yourself up for being hurt again? And he pushes the phone away, like, you're right, you're right. And Edward, a lot of fat shaming on this lady. Like, he hurt his hand because she sat on his hand? Oh my goodness. So Edward wants to go sit in the tub, soak his arm. And there's been a leak in the bathroom. And the guy that Dexter recommended was Ralph Alicorn or something. And Dexter's like, ah! And he runs up there like he's going to kill that guy. And of course, Ricky and Dexter run up to stop him. And Kate's like, I don't get it. Did I say something wrong? Who is this Ralph person? You guys need to brief me on this when you come downstairs. And that's the episode. So I hope you like it. I It felt, this episode felt so short. It really, really did. I think I'm going to just give this one a three out of five. Um, just for the fat shamey I didn't care for, Dexter moping about his girlfriend and contemplating not going on. Like, come on, come on. I know it's the 80s, but you don't need to be fat shaming. Fat shaming Nell Carter, fat shaming this woman who was in a towel and a bathing cap, who's being lifted up into the helicopter. Come on. The things I liked, I liked, I thought those hats were cute. The ones with the clapping hands on the top. I just thought it would have been cooler if they somehow had like a button that you just push or a lever or a little thing that you turn on and then it just you know, automatically claps instead of having to pushing with the string. I thought it was comical them trying to get into the rescue net and Ricky stepping on Edward's face. And the other thing I liked it at the end when they're telling the story and everything and Kate's so happy that Edward and Ricky are safe. Alright, next week we hit the finale of season two entitled Hi Mom, but it's not what you think. Evelyn is not coming back. She's already made an appearance this season. No, we're going to meet Kate's mom? So this episode aired April 7th, 1984. In this episode, Kate tries to keep her relationship with Edward a secret from her mother when she arrives for a surprise visit. Major eye roll here. Didn't we just go through the whole two-parter of a summer romance and now Kate wants to pretend like her relationship with Edward? My guess is maybe her mother wouldn't approve Kate 
in a relationship with her employer. That's my only guess. Georgian Johnson? What has she done? She plays Kate's mom. Oh, she passed away almost a year ago. It'll be June 4th of 2018. What has she done that I would know? She's got a lot of stuff on here. Oh, she was in the movie Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. She was in Promised Land for an episode. She played Elizabeth Quinn. I'm guessing that's Dr. Quinn's mother. What else has she been in? Anything? Seinfeld, she played Mrs. Stevenson. Not sure what that episode is. Uh, not really. 30-something. I never watched that. It's a Living, St. Elsewhere. So she was kind of a one-bit player. Kate C Oh, that's the one with um, Meredith Baxter Bernie is playing a um woman who has a eating disorder. She's bulimic, I think. She eats a lot and then she throws up. Oh my goodness, this lady's got so many episodes. So she's only in one episode as Marjorie Summers. Okay, that's about it. She's got, like, a lot of credits. Like, 116 credits. So. That'll be interesting um, that they decided to go out with that episode for season two. So. Um, I gotta say, uh, I will be starting season three in June. Just week to week. Um, I know there's going to be some... I'm doing every single episode, even though going on, there are more goofier, shall I say, semi-dumbish plots that just make zero sense. We are going to get some serious episodes later on with Ricky drinking, and I think he winds up in the hospital. But that's not till like, maybe season four, or maybe even season five, so we got a ways to go before that comes around. But, uh, alright, enjoy the book reviews, and I will be back next week. It'll be in, wait, we're still gonna be in May, never mind, I'm sorry, <laughs> we're still gonna be in May next week. Um, but season three, episode one is gonna be in June, so look forward to that. Alright, have a great Wednesday, everybody. Bye-bye. Alright, before I officially dive into the podcast, real quick, I want to talk about a couple books that I've read. They're both middle grade books. They both came out in 2019. One came out in February, and the one I'm going to talk about right now came out in March. It's entitled, A Good Kind of Trouble. Twelve-year-old Shayla is allergic to trouble. All she wants to do is follow the rules. Oh, and she'd also like to make it through seventh grade with her best friends intact. With her best friendships intact. Learn to run track and have a cute boy see past her giant forehead. But in junior high, it's like all the rules have changed. Now she's suddenly questioning who her best friends are. And some people at school are saying she's not black enough. Wait, what? Shay's sister Hannah is involved in Black Lives Matter. But Shay doesn't think that's for her. After experiencing a powerful protest, though, Shay decides some rules are worth breaking. She starts wearing an armband to school in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. Soon, everyone is taking sides, and she is given an ultimatum. Shay is scared to do the wrong thing, and even more scared to do the right thing. But if she doesn't face her fear, she'll be forever tripping over the next hurdle. Now that's trouble for real. I really liked this book. I like that they didn't just have the African-American side, but um, Shay's two best friends, Julia, who is Asian, and Isabella, who is Latina, I like that we're getting sides from them as well. Not POVs, but we're getting different nationalities in there, and it's just really, really great that... Middle grade, I read so much middle grade, especially in the last year or so. I've read, a, I mean, I still read young adult, but middle grade has been where it's at for at least the last year or so. I've been really hooked on them. The stories are so meaningful and close to my heart. They have good messages for, you know, kids 8 to 12 you know, tweens, kids going into into junior high, people that feel like they don't fit in their skin. 
And it's just, it's such a positive message. I read that book as an audiobook, and I believe, of course, it is available as a physical book. It's very short. It's only like five or six hours, which to me, I can listen to that in the span of an eight-hour work shift. The next book I read, and guys, I will put this up on Instagram and Twitter, of course, so that way you guys can um, see the titles and the book covers and everything. The next one is Song for a Whale by Lynn Kelly. This book actually came out in early February of this year, and I just listened to it last night. This book is told from the perspective of a um, a deaf girl, which I used to watch the ABC family show called Switched at Birth. So that was kind of my awakening to, because it has uh, a couple deaf teens in it you get to see from their point of view and see them signing and everything like that but the first time I ever saw a movie about someone who was deaf I had to have been maybe nine or ten and it was like one of those rainy days on a Saturday or it was on a Sunday after church at the time, we didn't have cable. It was just the three channels, you know, channel three, channel eight, channel 41. And this was probably on the Fox channel when it played, like, movies and old movies in the afternoon. And um, they played the movie, And Your Name is Jonah. And that movie came out, I think it was the late 50s, uh, the, the late 70s. And it had... Um, Sally Struthers from all the family and the family and it had James Woods also in it. It was a really good movie. I believe you can find it on YouTube. Um, I think if I can find it on YouTube, I'll like put a link to it on Twitter and um, the Silver Spoons Punky Power Facebook page. So that way, if you guys want to check it out, you can. <clears throat> um, but as I said, Song for a Whale by Lynn Kelly. 12-year-old Iris has never let her deafness slow her down. A whiz at fixing electronics, she's always felt at home in the world of wires and vacuum tubes. School, on the other hand, isn't quite as simple. Between her frustrating teacher, Miss Khan, and her overly helpful classmate, Nina, Iris can't seem to catch a break. But during science class, Iris learns about Blue 55, the loneliest whale in the world. Saddened by the animal's inability to speak to other whales, Iris uses her tech skills to come up with a plan communicate with Blue 55. One small problem, the whale is swimming off the coast of Alaska, nearly 3,000 miles from her Texas home. But nothing stops Iris, and with her deaf grandmother by her side, she sets out on a road trip to meet the whale and make sure... He's finally heard. Yeah, the thing about Iris's pa uh, grandparents is they are deaf. Her grandfather actually has passed away when the book starts. Iris's parents and older brother are hearing. So you can imagine the mother, her mother is doing okay with the signing, but the dad is just kind of getting by and fits and starts. The brother does all right. Um... This is a really interesting book. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, the, uh, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling all over. Guys, I got up, like, 30 minutes ago, so I'm still trying to wake up. Uh, <laughs> she has a friend, Iris has a friend named Wendell, who is actually, his mom is a teacher at the deaf school that he attends, the deaf junior high, and Iris really wants to go to that school because right now she's at a hearing, she's at a hearing school, which is really frustrating. She's got to have an interpreter there to interpret the lesson. The, the person, Nina, they mention is a girl who actually can hear, but she's like trying to learn to sign and everything. And of course she's like, with her hands constantly moving in Iris's face and everything like that. And Iris is like, will you stop doing that? Because she's like, Nina's not making any sense with those signs at all. But, um, 
she also like the book the uh summary says she likes to take apart old radios from like the 50s take out the stuff for parts and get them working again and even though being she's deaf she can't really hear sound she can feel the vibration which helps her out so it's it's this was such an eye-opening book i really liked it um her and her grandma actually um end up going on a cruise which was really cool i've never been on a cruise before of course that's not too spoiler read too much. I'm just going to say they're going on a cruise and I'll leave it at that. 